0: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com.
1: Hello, my friends. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging the puritanical backward ass ideals that we have here in the United States. This is episode 156 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. My co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg, who will be joining us in just a few minutes. We're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and we're kinky, perverts too, who also just so happen to be non-monogamously married to each other. This week, we're talking about secrets with Kate Laurie. And now if that name sounds familiar, Kate has been on American Sex a couple of times before. Also, Kate Laurie is a sex-positive licensed marriage and family therapist with a specialty in non-monogamous kink, LGBTQ, and sex worker communities. In addition to focusing on marriage and family therapy, she's also a registered art therapist, has training in EMDR and the trauma resiliency model for the treatment of trauma such as sexual, physical, and emotional abuse, and she's been practicing psychotherapy since 2003. Kate's first book on non-monogamy is due to be published at the end of this year, and I am so excited about it. Plus, she's got a brand new, amazing podcast called Open Deeply. And uh, guess who her co-host is for that amazing podcast? Surprise, it's me. Yeah, Kate is my new podcasting partner, too. So shameless brag, okay? We do make quite a team. And you should search out on your favorite podcast player or streaming service, Open Deeply Podcast, give it a listen, and please subscribe. Okay, so back to this podcast, right? American Sex. In this episode, Kate talks to us about keeping secrets. You know, when are secrets good? When are they bad? And how can we always tell the difference? What does keeping secrets do to our friendships, our relationships, and even ourselves, both physically and emotionally? And when should we reveal our secrets? And is it always good to reveal them? Does telling our secrets to somebody that, you know, you're very close to always foster intimacy and bring you closer together? And what about those people that just can't stop keeping secrets, even when they don't have to? Like, polyamorous people that seem to go out of their way to find opportunities to cheat on their partners. And we also talk about healthy ways that we can fetishize and act out our secrets using erotic play. This conversation is so good. And I don't want you to keep it a secret. Go tell people about it. But I do want to give you one heads up about one thing. About sixteen minutes or so into this conversation, we briefly bring up childhood sexual abuse, specifically incest. And we stay on the topic for about three to four minutes. I wanted to make note of this so you can take care of you, you know, whether that means simply being prepared so it doesn't take you by surprise or fast forwarding through that part or even saving this episode to listen to at another time when you're in the right headspace. You know what? You know you best and you know what you need to do to take care of yourself. But before we roll this conversation, you know what we got to do, right? It is time to wash the balls. And here on American Sex, that's housekeeping. But you know what? Ball washing is so much more fun than like mopping the floors, right? So uh, do you hear that? You know what time it is? It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patriot family. I want to give a big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Remy and C. Kuma for becoming recent American Sex Podcast Patreon members. And guess what? You too. Yeah, you right there. I'm talking to you. You can become an American Sex Podcast Patreon member too at patreon.com slash American Sex. And I'm going to give you stuff too. You get bonus stories from our guests, extra full-length episodes, all of our regular episodes early. I'm going to send you American Sex Podcast stickers in the mail with a cute little note. You get a shout out on the podcast Uh, and a lot more. Sometimes we do surprise hangouts, all sorts of things. You know, Ken and I give the majority of our content away for free. And it's a lot more than just this podcast. And we do it because we believe these conversations that we have, they are so critical. They improve relationships. They can even save lives. I know that sounds big and grand, but really they do. And because of that, everybody should have access to them regardless of their financial situation. So by supporting us, you allow our content to remain free for everybody. So again, that address is patreon.com slash American sex. Oh, this is another thing. Oh, this is going to be good. I am going to be part of an amazing weekend that you've got to know about this. It's the Tending the Garden Virtual Summit on April 24th and 25th. Now, this is a weekend for survivors to attend and have conversations with folks who understand. Over the course of two days, participants will have access to licensed therapists, counselors, sex educators, fellow survivors, and more through a series of panels and discussions about topics that aren't often addressed, including neurodiverse folks with trauma, being fat and a survivor, male survivors, and being a sex worker and a survivor. I'm going to be on the panel about kink and trauma. I'll have a link to this amazing event in the show notes for episode 156. You can either get that straight at AmericanSexPodcast.com or visit the show notes in whatever podcast player you're listening to right now. And in addition to that link, all of the links that I talk about and Kate talks about on this podcast will be in the show notes. And lastly, I want to let you know, next week, we're going to be on hiatus. So our next episode is going to be April thirteenth, And oh, my God, that episode's going to be so good. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. Um, The long and sordid history of syphilis is fascinating. Yes, I said that. And Not only is that fascinating, our guest who's going to be telling us about it is fascinating too. It's Dan Arama. But you know what? You did not hear that from me. You're not supposed to get any sneak peeks. How often do I tell you about upcoming guests and episodes? Almost never. So shh, keep that a secret. Hey, wait a minute. Speaking of secrets, see how I did that? That was a great lead-in. Yeah, these balls are clean, and uh, we're going to learn how to not keep secrets or to keep the right secrets and not the wrong ones. Maybe be ethical secret keepers. Uh, It's a lot. It's good, American fuckers. Here is Kate Lurie. I'm very excited because we're talking to someone who is... I'm not gonna say my new friend, but my my friend I've had for a while that we're closer now. My new other podcast partner, um, and we're gonna talk about something I'm gonna geek out on. Uh, this is Kate Laurie. Hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hello. Hi, Ken and oh, Sunny. I'm I'm so excited. Um, today's all about
2: Scorpios.
1: It's, it's all, about- <laughs> all about Scorpios. I'm a Scorpio <laughs> Am I lying? rising. Am I lying? You're a Scorpio. What are you,
0: Kate? I'm a Sagittarius. But, okay, but that—that's the whole thing. I can yeah. tell you about my Sagittarius stories, but I'm a low-key story. Uh, supposedly,
1: I'm a low-key Sagittarius. Interesting. I'm a Sagittarius moon. I don't know what any I'm of this means.
2: But-
1: Ooh, <laughs> we're having a cosmic thing. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> what we're talking about
2: Scorpios and secrets.
1: <laughs> we are. We're talking about secrets, and I find secrets. So fascinating for a multitude of reasons. You know, secrets is one of the big reasons why I do what I do and why Kate and I, you know, we started open deeply podcast together because culturally and growing up, we keep so many secrets and they, they hold us down and cause all this turmoil. But at the same time, when I think of secrets, I think of like you know the Beatles song "Closer," ooh, and uh, ooh. Like, I'm not going to do any more because copyright. How old are you? I'm, I'm not that old, the, but anyway, the doesn't Beatles, matter. Really, I, I
2: like the okay, Beatles. Grandma, um, but, <laughs> okay, boomer,
1: but it's exciting, like. Oh, do you want to know a secret? Oh, I got a secret. Like when we have secrets with people, it's exciting. We, we, you know, have this like sense of intimacy with them. Like, oh, we have secrets. Um, right.
0: That's this- the positive part of secrets is that that bonding. And, you know, it, it's like when I was getting prepared for this, I was reading a lot on this. Do you, do you know how many secrets the average person has?
1: Oh, are you going to tell me or are you going to keep it a
2: secret? I, <laughs> well, do you, you want to
0: guess? guess? yeah yeah yeah
2: i guess um 15 oh you were so close
0: according to michael uh slepian who's done a lot of research on this he says the average person has 13 secrets you were so Klepe- close
2: michael Kleppian's not a scorpio though is he uh
0: i think it's i think it's Sle- <laughs> slepian with an s but slepian, I, I don't I'm, I'm not sure but we
2: should I'm so find sorry. out <laughs> oh, interesting because I know Oscar has a lot of secrets.
1: 13 secrets that sounds like a new Netflix series that's gonna like fuck with your head and be really good I'm um, so interesting now I want to okay everyone listening and us too I want to do this just as homework like what are my 13 secrets I want to write them down and journal about them that sounds like a good exercise I, I, I
0: bet people that are kinky and non-monogamous have way less secrets than the average person
1: yeah but okay so when we're talking about People who have 13 secrets, you know, I think we need to drill down and be like, well, what kind of secrets are these? Are they harmless secrets? Like I'm planning a surprise party for my spouse or are they like, I'm cheating. And, you know, so who who keeps secrets? Like, let's drill down and like parse out the different types of secrets and who keeps them. Okay. Well,
0: in, in terms of like, you know, cause the research is out there. Um, the top five secrets are extra relational thoughts, like having an affair, mm-hmm. uh, sexual behavior, like watching pornography or masturbation. Number three is, you know, a lie that you continue to keep as a secret, like you never out your own lie. Number four is romantic desire, like having a crush or, or, having relationships with someone um when you're already married which sounds mm-hmm. similar to uh e- number 1 extra relational thought but this yeah. is more tied to romance i think maybe the first one is more tied to sex okay um i am just guess i don't know yeah i think they're similar and then number 5 is a violation of trust uh you know uh perhaps revealing confidential information, checking someone's messages, borrowing something without telling a person, that kind of thing. You know, a lot of times when people start checking messages, they just can't stop, you know, like they think their partner is cheating on them. Mm -hmm. And even after their partner has made amends and said, I'm not, I'm not going to cheat on you ever again. Sometimes the person that's checking just can't stop. And then they're the ones keeping the secret. They're the ones that are hiding things. It's interesting how that happens. Yeah. So
2: I'm uh, counting how many crushes I have right now on different people. But <laughs> that's not <laughs> a
1: like, monogamous. Like I think there's a difference between. It's a secret from that
2: person, though, because I feel oh. creepy about telling every person I have a crush on that I have a crush on. Them. <laughs> yes. Is that a, is that a secret, Kate?
1: Well, well,
0: I think it, you're bringing up. Uh, something that we should think about, which is there's secrets that are harmless and then secrets that are potentially harmful. Uh, mm-hmm. Secrets that are consensual versus non-consensual. You know, like, like for instance, a lot of swinger couples, they love the fact that their partners in cr- crime and it's a secret, right? But mm-hmm. the fact that they're swingers isn't hurting anybody. The fact that they don't tell their boss that they're swingers doesn't hurt anybody versus somebody who is lying to their monogamous partner that they're having an affair, you know, if that partner were to find out, they might be thinking, you know, all the sex I had with you in the last year was actually non-consensual because I wouldn't have had sex with you if I had known you were violating my trust. You know uh, what I mean? So, yeah. you know, um, with Ken, you keeping who you have crushes on a secret, I
1: think that's completely your prerogative and I think it's pretty harmless, you know? Right. And I know like for me, for instance, I am one of those people and I I say this publicly because, you know, I'm in the sex field. So I have and I have a very public persona. So I will have people messaging me inappropriately. Like they think because I talk about sex that they can say something sexually objectifying to me and I'm going to like that. And it's like, no. So I tell people like, it is fine if you objectify me. You can do whatever you want inside your own head. Um, it's when you open your mouth and tell me about it and then make me consciously a part of your fantasy, your crush or whatever that I'm not interested in being. At that point, when you tell me your secret, that is when you are violating my consent because I don't want to have that kind of relationship with you. And we haven't had a relationship prior to this that indicates that that would be appropriate.
0: Yeah. And certainly sex educate. I've heard so many sex educators or sex therapists that go and speak at an event and they're talking, topic- talking about a particular topic, like how to give a good blowjob or whatever. And a lot of people in the audience will think that they just had some kind of sexual, rel- you know, experience with the speaker. The speaker mm-hmm. is just talking on a topic that they know about and that, and then the, an audience member will come up to them and act as if have the boundaries with them as if they're lovers or something.
1: Right. Yeah. That's like, no, don't do that. (laughs) So who who do we keep secrets for? Because I'm kind of going back and forth. Like, are we keeping secrets to protect ourselves because we don't want to be found out that we're doing or thinking X, Y, Z? Or do we keep secrets for the benefit of the other person because we don't want to hurt them? Like, why do we keep secrets? So if you don't mind, I'd like to go big picture
0: just for a yeah, moment. Yeah, absolutely. And because everything that happens, you know, between, say, you or Ken or, you know, whatever, um, it all starts at a cultural level. Mm-hmm. And there, there's um, a gal, Dr. Michelle Gelfand, who has this great TED Talk where she talks about the difference between – uh cultures with tight and loose social norms. Like, okay. for instance, Japan has tight social norms, you know, low crime, but less freedom to be yourself. The United States has looser social norms, so there's more social ca- chaos for sure, but uh-huh. we have more freedom to be ourselves. And you could see how in a culture with tight social norms, if you have less freedom to be yourself, it almost pushes you into keeping more secrets and potentially more lies. And like, I I like this Neil Bohr, Neil's Bohr quote, he says, the best weapon of a dictatorship is secrecy, but the best weapon of a democracy should be the weapon of
1: openness. Ooh, I love that. I want to get it tattooed on me somewhere. No, maybe not, but yeah, I do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which, which, you know, but, but at the same time, uh, Dr. Gelfand does, does a good job of not demonizing either culture, but by saying that the cultures that end up having tight social norms are the ones that have a higher threat level, you know, they have more natural disasters, famine, famine, uh chance of being invaded, etc. and so they batten down the hatches, right? Mm-hmm. And it bleeds down into relationships and and whether somebody feels free to say that they're gay or what have you. Yeah. You know?
1: You know, and I I'm I'm like taking that big concept and drilling it down to just the United States. Because it seems like we have two Americas. We have the very conservative, like, you know, Trump-esque, evangelical uh, America. And then we have the more liberal, progressive thinking. You're open to be yourself. Everything's on a spectrum. Be free, you know. And and I I look at, if I look at families or like different, you know, people I've known or smaller social groups I've been around it's usually those tighter conservative families or groups or areas where these secrets are just festering and then when you break open like oh everyone starts learning the family secrets or the scandals it's like holy shit right um so yeah and usually
0: in those uh, cultures that have tight social norms, if somebody were to come out and say they'd been sexually abused, they would be demonized, not the person that sexually abused them. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because Which... to, to a degree, they're breaking
1: social norms, right? Right. Right. Wow. You know? Right? Oh, So, okay. All right. I, I'm like, I'm having all sorts of feelings of how secrets have played both like the good starring role in my life and the villain in my life. Um right. So let's, let's break down secrets a, a, a little bit more. Like, uh, let's see, where do I want where do you want to go? Where do you want to go with secrets?
0: Well, another fun fact is 97% of people have at least one secret at any given moment. So almost a hundred percent of people. Oh,
1: wow. okay. Everybody thinking, or everybody, everybody lies. What's your secret? Everybody what?
2: lies. Everybody lies. Everybody lies, a little bit. Yeah, you know, and then there's that whole like slippery slope. That means of... you lie, Sonny.
1: What's a lie though? Is a lie like you know, like okay, obviously, if you're like I, I am a millionaire and I'm gonna give you a Tesla, that is a lie. I wish it wasn't. Um, but it's a lie,
2: unless you're like space Karen.
1: Right, right. <laughs> um That's clearly a lie. I am purposely that's and our consciously. Elon Musk, by
2: the way. What? Oh, I was just telling Kate, that's our nickname for Elon Musk.
1: Oh, is this Karen? Space oh. Karen. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, my God. Um, but, I mean, that's obvious a, a lie. We can agree with that. But it's like, you know, if it's a lie by omission, maybe we're just not saying something for the benefit of- I'm sorry, of what by omission? A lie by omission? A a what om- by omission? A li- I don't understand. <laughs> I just
2: you to say lie three times. La- la- la-
1: la-, <laughs> la, 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 you know, if it's a lie by omission, because we are saving somebody's feelings, like, you know, you think, God, I feel suddenly I feel like I'm in freshman year philosophy class, like, what is ethical to do? Right. Um, But, you know, if it's a lie by omission, like, your haircut looks ridiculous,
2: but it's. Why are you looking at me right now? I'm
1: not. Although <just,
2: laughs> <other laughs> the fact my haircut actually does look ridiculous. You're haircut... trying to cut a mohawk by myself. <laughs> no, your and... haircut actually looks really good. I'm impressed.
1: Really? you like with your with your COVID barber skills are. I did not expect you to
2: do that good. So good
1: job. That's um, impressive. Is that a lie? It's not a lie. It's not a lie. <laughs> well,
0: one um, thing with that we should just quickly say is just to delineate that not all lies are secrets, and not all secrets are lies. But sometimes sometimes it's both but not always that's wait
1: important, actually wait okay my brain is like what okay not all lies are secrets and not all secrets are lies expand on it explain i don't understand why that makes sense <laughs> well, <if> you, <laughs> like like if we go back to ken's
0: example that he has crushes uh-huh. and he hasn't told everybody they has a crush oh. um that's a
1: secret but it's not a lie okay but it would become a lie if someone was like, Do you have a crush on me? And you're like, No. I would say, Yeah, immediately. Okay. But if you didn't, it would be like,
2: you going to ask me that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if I told you I had a blue panda for a pet, you know, that would be a lie, but it's not a secret.
1: Okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Um, so I don't know where I was going. Keep you 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 lead me down the secret path because my brain is exploding right now with like so many possibilities <laughs> and fucked up things and our secrets are sometimes good and secrets are sometimes bad. And also <laughs> we'll get to this like once we get the basis down for secrets, but well, I also want to dive into like the sexuality of secrets and like using secrets in sex, but we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, what
0: is the inner struggle related to secrecy versus openness?
1: Mm-hmm. And so this
0: is going down a little bit fur- further we first ta- talked about you know tight boundaries versus loose ba- boundaries and cultural norms mm-hmm. um and social norms but if we okay. go now we're going down to how that impacts the individual. Okay. So the conflict is between one the desire to avoid the social costs if the secret comes out versus two the desire to connect with others and create intimate close relationships, which is exactly what happens when we share a truth with another person. Like Mm -hmm. they feel honored by that truth. They're like, wow, I, I I'm sharing, I'm sharing your secret. We have a secret together, or you're so vulnerable to tell me that I feel so much closer to you now. So that's like, that's the inner struggle that people have.
1: Yeah. And then like, My brain is going all Brene Brown, you know, like vulnerability leads to empathy and the reduction of shame and and connectedness. You know what's
2: so weird? My brain went in an opposite direction immediately. I thought of serial killers and child molesters and how they would keep secrets and then bond with each other over the terrible secrets that they kept.
1: Yeah. Or bond with their victims. Like this is our little secret. So I know we're getting a little dark here, but let's, yeah, yeah, Yeah. let's, let's get, let's get dark. Let's talk about that.
0: Right, so let's go maybe with that last part, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, um, as you guys know, I've worked with sexual abuse for 18 years, mm-hmm. all kinds of different sexual abuse, um, you know, ritual abuse, pedophilia, incest, you know, you name it, I've worked with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, uh, when it's an adult abusing a child, you know, or let's let's go closer to home. Let's say it's dad. Uh, abusing a daughter mm-hmm. and when that daughter becomes an adult and she's in therapy part of what keeps her stuck a lot of times is on one hand a lot of times dad is kind and takes her to the zoo and takes her to her fa- favorite restaurant and then in the other place he's doing all this stuff and he he is creating this reward-based situation right like mm-hmm. this is our this is our little s- secret you're my special girl
2: oh my god daddy's little secret
0: (laughs) oh god yeah right right so it's this mind fuck and so then as an adult in therapy it's really hard to tweeze out the good part from the bad part you know Mm. and that's my job as a therapist to be like you don't have to like if there was good things that your dad did for you like sit down with your homework and help you work through your homework when, when physics is hard for you or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to toss that, you know, right. you, you, uh, processing through the trauma and how he hurt you does not negate the good things he did. We can hold one in one hand and one in the other. Yeah. You know, but you have to detweeze that, that wet hairball, uh, that, that, that is that, that combination because, you know, he usually has done a lot of grooming of her and mm-hmm. like created this, um, Mind fuckery of combining, like, yeah, this is our little secret. You're my special little girl,
1: you yeah, know, and that yeah. bonding
0: and that intimacy that's combined with the harm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I've been like, you know, my personal and professional learning journey lately has been, you know, paying attention to what's happening in my body when I hear certain things to to, you know, hone into my emotions. And when I was hearing you talk about. Secrets in that respect, like everything started to tighten up. I started to feel like kind of sick to my stomach, you know, just thinking about some big, horrible, hard secrets that I've had in my own life. So let's go there. What does keeping these kind of secrets do to us both emotionally and physically?
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. So physically, there's, um, a particular doctor Dr. McClendon and she talks about digestion issues if Mm -hmm. secrets aren't addressed they can not only increase one's risk of mental health conditions like anxiety and depression but also physical problems like acid reflux and incontinence because if Mm -hmm. you think about like anxiety and things like IBS are are it's not causation, but they're definitely correlated for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Well, what
1: do they call? They now call the gut the second brain. Right. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. And so, and of course, right now we're talking about not fun secrets, but uncomfortable secrets, right? Right. Um, you know, blood pressure. Um, a, a doctor by the name of Sanam Hafez, um, who's a neurophysiologist, says when cortisol levels are too high due to anxiety related. To secrets, it can lead to things like high blood pressure and impaired memory retention. Mm. Um, And then he goes on to say that holding a secret could cause enough stress and guilt to keep someone up at night. And the reason why sleep disorders are such a big problem for those harboring secrets is because of the health implications it causes. So those with sleep disorders are more at risk for diabetes, heart attack, and an irregular heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And, And he finally says that the bigger the secret, the harder it is on your body. Even if it's an old secret,
2: even if it's like—that's what I was just going to ask. Yeah, I'm thinking about dark old secrets that I have and how I've become accustomed to those, like childhood kind of. No more shit that I did when I was in the when I was uh, involved with gang stuff and in the military. Okay, violent, crazy stuff I can't really talk about. Don't want to tell people about. Right, but like I've stopped feeling guilt over those things. Yeah, is that normal?
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So so let's. Back up just a little bit. I'm sure. guessing just by context, when he says the bigger the secret, he means the bigger the emotional weight of the secret.
2: Okay. That was, that's, I'm glad I asked.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's just when I look at the context. I mean, I don't know him, yeah. but that's by the context. That's what I'm guessing because basically what happens when the more it's an uncomfortable secret, the more it causes changes in the body, like yeah. high cortisol and then high cortisol is linked to high inflammation and high inflammation is linked to a a whole host of health problems. Oh
2: yeah. Okay.
1: So, yeah. 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 Right. Wow. <sighs> I'm feeling like, oh, all the physical symptoms of secrets are weighing on me right now. Like, what the hell?
0: (laughs) Tell your secrets. You can tell one right now. (laughs) No. Well, you know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know you mean mean some of the harder secrets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Hey, all you couples in long-term relationships. Has your sex become so routine that you feel like you can write a manual for it? You know, something like, step one, start in missionary. Step two, move to doggy. Step three, finish with the same person on top. Roll over and go to sleep. See, are you bored? Uh, We have the solution to spice up your sex life. It's called Sympathic Us. Sympathic Us is an online sex survey that helps couples find and explore the intimate interests and desires that they have in common. You know, the areas where they're sympathetic. How it works is each person in the couple logs into the Sympathic's website and separately answers questions about their erotic interests and desires. This survey covers nearly a thousand bedroom activities, everything from erotic massage to licking armpits. Then, Sympathic Us will send you and your partner a report with with only the activities that you both have in common. So then you can discuss and explore your shared desires more freely. Hey, we all have different sexual interests, and sometimes it can be intimidating to share them openly with a partner. You know, no more thinking, oh, am I okay that I want to do that? And how can I find out if they want to do that? It covers it all for you. And right now, Sympathic Us is offering American Sex Podcast listeners, 20% off when you go to Sympathic.us and enter the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at checkout. That's S-I-M-P-A-T-I-C dot U-S with the promo code SUNNY and get 20% off. And of course, if you miss that, just go to the show notes for this episode to get the link. Again, Sympathic.us, code SUNNY. So, uh what else do they do? Like emotionally, what do they do to us? Yeah, emotionally, um,
0: let's see. So keeping secrets can make you feel lonely and tired. Uh-huh. Well, you can understand that uh, you know, you can imagine that keeping an uncomfortable secret could make you feel lonely. right? Whereas yeah. keeping a fun secret like swingers do you know, actually is fun. But for hard secrets, it can make you lonely and tired. Um, And secrecy can reduce your well-being. And and over and over again, the literature said that it's specifically the ruminating on the uncomfortable secrets that's the most harmful emotionally. Mm. So, it's the spinning on your thoughts, perseverating on your thoughts that is is what's especially harmful.
1: Okay. Um, but what if like, because I know a lot of us, if we have secrets from earlier in life or like big, heavy weighing things. I know I've been at points in my life where I'm like, oh, that's the pe- it doesn't bother me anymore. It's buried way deep down. As I've discovered, you know, in my years of living, that shit doesn't really go away. It's going to pop back up <laughs> until you deal with it. Um. Yeah. So what if we're in like that, that place in our lives where we think that secret is buried we haven't thought of it in a long time oh it's no big deal I'm over that but we know that it'll probably pop up again in a decade or you know whatever um does that still weigh on us those buried secrets we think we're okay with I
0: think it depends and for everybody it's different I think like you know for some people uh maybe there's something that happened you know in their I mean, I, I can say for myself, there's certain things that happened to me when I was a teenager or whatever, and simply talking to my girlfriends in college, mm-hmm. you know, about things that happened to me, I just kind of worked it through. Um, and now those things don't bother me as much. And it's right. still something that I don't tell everybody. So you could say it might be a secret in certain company. Right. But you know, I've moved through it enough where it's not a thing for me and I don't think it would pop up. I don't think I'd get triggered by it, you right. know? Um, so everybody has to know themselves enough, but I certainly have seen situations and I see this sometimes with men, like women are much more readily, uh, able to talk about say sexual abuse with other people. But I've seen a lot of men because of the shame in our culture and our social, our, our toxic social norms around, you know, maybe things like homophobia and things like this, uh, you know, a long list of toxic things. Men do not feel comfortable disclosing the sexual abuse that might have happened to them in a child as a child. And I've seen men like maybe in couples therapy or something, you know, um, or just different situations where maybe they haven't even told their wife that they've been yeah. with for over a decade until they get triggered. In a situation that's like this perfect storm of things that are similar to the original event that happened in childhood, and then it's like a safe door opening up. You you put the code of the safe in and boom, it's open and it's alive and well.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. And,
0: and they didn't see it coming at all. But then once I'm able to do EMDR, we were able to work it through. You know? Right, right.
2: Can you tell us what EMDR is?
0: Uh well, it, what it stands for. We'll just what it stands for, yeah. Yeah, well, what it stands for will just confuse you more, but I'll tell you anyway. Oh, really? It's, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, the person who came up with it regrets naming it that because <laughs> it, 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 it's called, it, it stands for eye movement desensitization, reprocessing, uh, and they used to do use this light bar thingy. Hardly anyone uses the light bar thingy anymore. They use other, you know, tappers and stuff. Anyway, uh, it would take me 25 minutes to like fully explain But it's explain a form of therapy, right? It, it is a trauma modality that's basically Excalibur sword for therapists. A therapist okay. just needs to be a good enough therapist to use it, and it's light years more effective than talk therapy.
1: Talk to me about how secrecy and shame play into each other and how that shows up for people emotionally.
0: You know, I think they're kind of like conjoined twins a lot of times when we're talking about uncomfortable secrets. Again, you know, if you go back to the Niels Bohr quote, you know, that talks about how, um, you know, shame, uh, you know, that secrecy is the best weapon for a dictatorship. So, you know... And culture uses shame as a mean of social control and secrets are a byproduct of shame, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and this leaks down to the family unit, unit and all of that. And so then, like in my private practice, which, you know, obviously I'm a pretty fringe therapist that serves non-monogamous, kinky, sex workers, LGBTQ, um, even with my clients who are super open-minded and way more open-minded than the average bear, they still come in with shame that is largely culturally imposed by their family of origin, Mm -hmm. usually by whatever church they're affiliated with, or maybe the political group they're affiliated or both. And so, that gets, I mean, I've heard examples of like, you know, Little little children at age six, where they just happen to come across a Playboy or something, being sh- shamed by multiple multiple adults, mm-hmm. you know, Um, and what that does to that grown adult looking back on that, like that's that puts the little roots of shame in that person going all the way back to being a toddler. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and yeah, and so. That shame can be pretty crippling. I think it can cause, I think it varies from person to person, but I think it can cause depression, anxiety, self-loathing. Uh, I can think it can get in the way of reaching your human potential and your authentic truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be very crippling. And, um, you know, part of healing is for that person to slowly find people that they trust and... Uh, to tell their secret to, and then also like to slowly trust themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of times a person with that much shame uh, has lost their internal compass and they don't trust themselves.
1: Right. Right. So you talked about authentic truths and authentic living, which sounds like a lifestyle blog, authentic living, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like with white couches by the seaside. Like, no. Um, So let's talk about secrets in terms of, coming out. And that could be coming out as gay, as trans, it could be maybe coming out to your spouse about, you know, deep seated fetish that you've had. I talked to a lot of people who are like, you know, I've been married for my wife for 20 years. And she doesn't know that I'm a cross-dresser. And I really wish I could, you know, share this with her, but I'm scared. I don't know how she's going to react. Da, da, da. And the success stories are like, and your work inspired me to bring it up. And now we play together and I dress on the weekends and we hang out and it's great. Um, but, you know, it doesn't always turn out that way. So let's talk about the impact of, of keeping things about you know, whether it's your sexual identity, your gender identity, and keeping closeted? How does that show up for people?
0: Well, first, let's just say one thing that I I get cranky about with a lot of self help books Mm -hmm. is, you know, like, like, uh, you know, mindfulness books, where they're like, you just need to be here now. And they never say, well, if you have ADD, or a trauma history, it's going to be way harder for you. And then people go into a shame spiral, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're like, why can't I do this? And, you know, when you talk about coming out, it's way easier for a person of privilege to come out in a variety of ways than someone who has less privilege. And in fact, if you go back to the literature of Dr. Michelle Gelfand, she shows that people that are, you know, rich have looser social norms a lot of times than people that are underprivileged, which makes sense. People that are underprivileged are under more threat, which goes back to what she says. Right. So, you know, um, whether you're going to come out as any of these things, um, it's going to be easier for you if you feel safe in this world and yeah. you're not under threat.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: And And for some people, let's just say that coming out is not even safe for them. Mm-hmm. Like if, you know, like Dan Savage always does a good job of saying, if you're seven, if you're 17 and you're in a, a family where if you come out, you could end up being homeless. Yeah. You know, why don't you wait until you're living on your own and you you're solid and then you can decide whether you want to come out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I would say the same thing to anyone listening is like, make sure if you're thinking about coming out, make sure you're safe enough.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: You know, um, but, you know, you're talking about specifically coming out as like, say, a cross-dresser or something like that. I come from the opinion of, you know, there's some people that are kind of like, uh, you know, old reference these days, but, you know, like Madonna, who will tell her milkman her deep, deepest secret. But I, I'm more of the kind of person where it's like, choose people and and kind of test them out before you tell your, your secret. Like a lot of times with, um, I work with a lot of escorts uh, as clients, and I'll say to them, why don't you... If you're going to tell your Uncle Bob that you're an escort, why don't you test him out? Maybe say, Oh, did you read that New York Times article about, you know, escorting or whatever it is? And if your Uncle Bob is like, Oh, they're just a bunch of whores. Who cares? Then, you know, Uncle Bob doesn't get to hear your truth. He hasn't earned your truth. Mm. Whereas, you know, whereas if you test somebody out and they, and they (laughs) pass a test of being a kind person regarding that particular issue, then maybe you decide to, that they're a safe person to, disclose your truth to. Yeah,
1: yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So let's talk about, you know, secrets are taboo in a lot of ways. And, you know, the way our erotic brain works, a lot of us fetishize the things that are taboo. And I know, like, when you brought up the, the example, like, you know, swingers have their secret of being swingers, it makes me think of like, your stereotypical married couple who's, you know, spicing things up and having a sexual role play. And they're going to be like, we're going to go to the bar and I'm going to pretend I'm a stranger and you're on a business trip and that you're cheating on your wife. And we're going to, I'm going to put on a wig and we're going to have this hot sex. You know, there are plenty of us that, that fetishize these secrets. And in that uh, example, They've learned to do it in a healthy way. I, you know, there are other people who, they're the serial cheaters, you know, they're constantly cheating on their spouse. And, you know, someone like me looks at them and goes, God, this is why we have ethical non-monogamy. Like, you can do this just to, but then that would take the fun out of it. The fun is keeping a secret and being yeah. deceitful. yeah.
0: Yeah, well, maybe I'll start with the second part and then go back to the first okay. part. But yeah, because I got really, f- back in 2016, that second thing I got fascinated with, you mm-hmm. know, because I had seen it enough times where I'd see these people that they had this amazing partner that loved them that wanted to be non-monogamous with them. It was just like, all you have to do is be honest with me and we can figure out relationship agreements. And yet they would still have a secret life. Yes. They were still yes. lying. They were still cheating you know and then they do usually end up losing their partner over it right you know? and, and the partner was just like why <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> like it's like i left all the doors open for you you just had to walk through them yeah right. but they still are like no i'm gonna keep secrets and be deceitful and hurt you and be unethical and it's like ah it, do- it right. logically doesn't make sense but why does it make sense for that person to do that emotionally why are well, they drawn to it all I can tell you is, um, over time of
0: being kind of fixated on that question, I started to notice a pattern mm-hmm. with the, with the people that fit that profile down to a one, regardless of gender, they had a backstory where they had a parent that was over controlling and they had to lie. Now, this is the second part. They had to lie to be authentic.
1: <gasps> oh, Okay. Keep so, and I'll
0: give you an example yeah. of what I mean. So, it's not just lying. It's lying to be authentic. So, you know, for instance, like say a, a young teenage boy, he wanted to be in a band, like a punk rock garage band, but the mom wanted a, a little nerdy son that wore Dockers and and all that, and she wanted him to go to the library. So, he'd say, mom, I'm going to the library, when really he was going to band practice. Okay. So, he's lying to be authentic. <gasps>
1: Oh, my yeah. God, that is that's like such a developmental mind fuck. You have to lie to voice your authentic truth. Like, holy mother, wow, yeah, to
0: live to live your authentic truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so what ends up happening is because it's, you know, it, the parent is controlling. So this happens all the time. And it happens enough, where once they grow into adulthood, this pattern becomes eroticized. Okay, right? and now it's it, now it's their go-to this this is what's hot to them it's their you might want to say their kink maybe mm-hmm. you know and, and so even if they have a, pa- a partner that gives them all the freedom in the world that's super non-monogamous it doesn't matter that's being honest is is not that's not hot to them right like they don't get turned on if they don't have the secret life
1: <gasps> okay so right there cuz that describes so many people that i've known and so many situations that i've seen and i'm just like why what okay now i know why i'm i'm a, i'm a proponent of redirecting or reframing or finding a way to ethically carry out things that on their surface or you know that we would just do in our default life are very unethical But in a fantasy sense, we can still, you know, feel unethical, but it's somehow, you know, a role player. Like the example I gave of the couple whose role, put pretend I'm a stranger, I'm going to put on a wig and disguise myself and pretend you're having a hot cheating thing. First of all, does that fool the brain enough to satisfy that need? You know, I think it depends on the person. Uh
0: I'm I'm sure there's some people... That absolutely, just like there's some cheaters, they were, you know, they were cheaters within mon- uh, monogamy, but as soon as they become non-monogamous, they never cheated again, right? Right. So, that's, you know, similarly, I think there's a division of people that as soon as you give them an outlet like that, then then they're fine and they're good. Mm-hmm. But I think when it runs deeper, um, like, say, when there's an element of Not fun, not kind sadism involved. Right. Then that is not going to work for them because they like the idea that their partner could potentially find out and be devastated. Like not consciously, but maybe somewhere deep down, unconsciously, that's there. Or it may not be that, or it may be entitlement where they feel entitled to have this secret life. Like if they internally have maybe a little bit of a misogyny, it might be disowned misogyny
1: mm-hmm.
0: or, um or maybe they have a narcissistic family that says you're the cream of the crop and therefore you deserve, you know, the rules don't apply to this family, you know, because we're the cream of the crop. We, we get to, we'll, we'll pay off who we need to pay off and we're going to do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the ethos that's been instilled in a child in like one of these super rich families that have a lot of, grandiosity and narcissism narcissism embedded in their literal ethical well non-ethical structure
1: right right then
0: then that entitlement is part of power you know poor, like being poor, able yeah huh
2: oh I'm just thinking of poor poor Baron Trump oh,
1: yeah that poor kid he's gonna need some good therapists <laughs> <laughs> yeah right well I
0: mean this is a little tangential but I think basically when we don't really know, how to love well? Mm-hmm. Then we have to, re- and this is the case with narcissists. They don't know how to love well. They don't know how to receive love well. So something has to replace that, and that's usually power, and that's usually owning people and things. You Ooh. know, you know, you see that with Jeffrey Ep- Epstein. Like he, that man doesn't know how to love or receive love. So instead, he owns bodies. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and
0: that's that's how he gets off. Is is that power involved? And I, I know I'm being tangential, but. You know, you, you can see how, um, that's a whole div- division of secrecy, the d- secrecy that's a byproduct of narcissistic, entitled, grandiose, grandiose men, mm-hmm. you know, or grandiose people, the, the hyper wealthy. And, and I, I've seen that just as, you know, in therapy. Where I started out in the very, very poor clinics. And now sometimes I have very, very wealthy clients who will tell me some of the things going on. And you'll hear, I'll hear secondhand about some, sometimes hear about these Epstein types. You know, maybe, maybe they're not doing what Epstein's doing, but just the attitude Mm -hmm. that they are the cream of the crop. You know, they're, they're so entitled that they're entitled to, to bodies. Right. You know? Wow. And then there's a whole secrecy involved there. Wow. Because they don't, you know.
1: Spring break is right around the corner. And you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure that that party in your pants never stops. I mean, even Veronica Corningstone probably wouldn't say no to this pants party. And okay, pants party goers, I have an exclusive 20% off discount for you. I want you to use the code SUNNY at manscaped.com. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game the perfect package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 it's a waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine seriously this is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest or a ball shave their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. Inside the perfect package, you'll also get the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. And for a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented, high-performance, reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com with the code SUNNY. What's better than a toe-curling eyes-in-the-back-of-your-head orgasm? Mm, nothing? <laughs> Intensity by Pourmois helps strengthen all of your orgasms by exercising your pelvic floor muscles. Intensity by Pormois is a sexual health and stimulation device that looks like a vibrator, but it is so much more. It actually tightens and tones your pelvic floor muscles for you. It's like a trip to the gym for your pelvic floor. Now, Kegel exercises have been scientifically proven to strengthen orgasms. They can also assist in bladder control and enhance sensation during sex. The intensity offers both internal and external vibration. So you can actually experience mind-blowing pleasure while using the intensity intensity is manufactured in the usa to medical grade standards intensity's manufacturer has medical roots and manufactures a variety of fda clear devices to support pelvic floor health and cure incontinence without surgery or pills speaking of incontinence you know why i love intensity because it helps with the (gasps) achoo oh no i have to run to the bathroom aka sneeze peas. (laughs) Pormois is offering our listeners an additional $25 off of intensity when you go to pormois.com and enter the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out. You can use this code along with any other code on their website too. Yeah, that's $25 off on top. Of all ongoing promotions, when you go to p o u r m o i dot com with the code Sunny, that's pourmoi dot com code Sunny. Yeah, and and it's interesting because when you when you brought up sadist, like you know play wise, kind of you consider yourself a sadist, right, mm-hmm. in a in a BDSM sense, and it's like. I I think about secrets and how we use them in play. Like if yeah. we are orchestrating, like, cause we like to do mind fucks and that requires right. m- mental manipulation and lying and deceiving and making something seem like it's not the other thing. And it's like, you know, both of us really get off on that when we're like fooling our submissive into thinking, da, da, da. But I, I, maybe one of the, the differentiating factors, well, I know one of the differentiating factors is consent. Like we know that person, we've talked to them, we've talked about, you know, what kinds of mind fucks are acceptable, what kinds of secrets can we orchestrate to, you know, mind fuck them with at a later date sort of thing. And maybe another defining factor is there will be a point in that time where that secret will be revealed, you know, kind of like a surprise party. Like you're you're doing all these lies and, you know, telling somebody to be some someplace at a certain time and not telling them that you've organized all this. And maybe you've jumped through all of these hoops to keep it a secret. But there's going to be a point in time where it's like, ta-da, here's all the stuff I've been doing behind your back for your benefit. Isn't this great? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, you can you can go back all the way to
0: childhood and think about when you're a little kid and another girlfriend or or, or guy friend, you know, came up to you and was like, I have a secret to tell you and how mm-hmm. exciting that is. And you're mm-hmm. like, "Yay! Yeah, tell me your secret, you know, and how close you feel to them. And I think, you know, when it comes to, to if going back to being an adult and talking about kink and everything, you know, yeah, I mean, it's super fun. It's super fun not to know what the secret is and when the secret's revealed and and um, to have that be part of a scene. It's like super hot and super sexy and, and sometimes really bonding and um, creates fun tension mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff. It, you know, it's like, it's, it's a completely, like these secrets that are fun secrets, it's a complete different conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Than the uncomfortable secrets, you know? It's like... Like every, it's like a good mystery novel or anything like that. Like we like the anticipation of the secret and then to have it unveiled, unveiled. And like if you are the one that your dom, like say you're the sub and mm-hmm. you're waiting for the dom to reveal the the secret. I mean, it's fun and it's sexy, but it's all also kind of makes you feel special. Yeah, I would imagine you know yeah. because it's like they've orchestrated this whole thing to surprise you, just like a surprise birthday party if you want it you know it it can make you feel super special right to have someone do all this for you um can be fun and and bring a lot of happiness and and make you feel cherished yeah
1: you know i was just thinking there's a
2: sort of a side note that uh that really shows that people involved in bdsm especially the sadists have a lot of attention to detail and empathy about how that sort of scene would affect their submissive so it's more right. than just like knowing a secret and like playing on it. It's understanding the interrelationships of how that secret will work on that person at that time.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why, you know, to me, of course, I'm going to have a bias. To me, the the great doms do have a lot of emotional intelligence and empathy and do know how to read their partner and all of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, because doing that little tightrope with something like that. It's like if you're able to walk that tightrope and and pull off something like that, um, it can be magnificent and like so much fun and just, and, um, you know, sometimes healing, all of these things, but it takes having that attunement
1: Mm -hmm. to your submissive. Yeah, and I think about, you know, when that attunement isn't present, we think of you know the surprise party where the the birthday person walks through the door and everyone yells surprise and suddenly their face is pissed and they're like i told right. you i didn't like this kind of attention i told you i didn't want a you know surprise birthday party or i think of the the surprise public um uh proposals for marriage you know where it's like someone has a flash mob and they've orchestrated this whole thing and they get down on their knee and their you know person they're proposing to their face just goes blank and they're like holy motherfucking shit why did you think this was appropriate
0: right right we just got into a huge fight where i didn't talk to you for three days last week what the
1: hell you know exactly exactly yeah yeah So how can we, I guess it's a two part question, like, looking forward, the bright spot, the light at the end of the tunnel. um, You know, one, are there other ways that we can in a healthy way, bring more secrets into our life to kind of exercise that secret muscle and get the benefits of positive secrets, you know, that kind of intimacy. And, you know, because I really think secrets are on a spectrum, there can be really good positive, uh, intimacy building kind of secrets, and then there could be devastating, horrible secrets. So, you know, how can we bring more of that positive spectrum in our lives? And then the second part of my question, or second question is, how can we start acclimating ourselves to be vulnerable enough to start talking about some of those deeper secrets you know some of those authentic truth uh you know whether it's a big family secret or something that's more tied to trauma
0: yeah yeah um you know i think one it's a personal journey Mm -hmm. you know some people are going to be more secretive than others and one person is not superior to the next you know everybody has their own journey about that um in terms of maybe you know a a lot of times even if if you have a secret if you've shared it just with one person Mm -hmm. now it's leaning more towards a healthy secret usually it's starting to become more of a healthy secret Mm -hmm. um you know cuz as soon as you share it with one person now there's intimacy with that person because they usually feel special that they've been brought into the secret right you know and so uh, the the difference between a secret held by one and a secret held by two is vast
1: mm. oh yeah that's you a know? quote right there <laughs> that's good put that on t-shirts sell that on coffee mugs man yeah <laughs>
0: It, you know, right in terms of health and, and all of that.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So,
0: so that's what I would say is like if you can move towards holding your secret with at least one other person, you're probably better off in most cases.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 choosing somebody who's earned that kind of trust, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's really important because you can, again, not attune and think somebody is a good person to trust and then they're not. And now you've re traumatized yourself further.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So
0: choices is really important. Um, you know, I think it's AA that says something like you're only as sick as the secrets that you keep or something like that. Um, and I think again, AA is talking about the uncomfortable secrets when they say that. Right. You know? Um, and so, you know, in terms of if it comes from trauma and you're trying to decide whether to keep a secret or not, sometimes Sometimes the first person you tell might be a therapist, someone you know has to keep it confidential, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and with sexual abuse history, I think you have to get to a point where you're you're ready to go there. Um, I think if you go to a therapist, choose wisely. Don't just like pick some, you know. Don't just like flip the yellow pages as if those are around anymore and, and put, your,
2: put your finger down you know we're okay boomer Be- right.
1: we're singing Beatles songs talking about the yellow, yellow pages.
2: pages you know it's interesting oh, you know, the, the quote from yeah. benjamin franklin had you know always comes to my mind whenever you're talking about secrets because he said what is it um, three can keep a secret if two of them are dead
0: right <laughs> right yeah, I mean, it's it's just important to to choose wisely, even if you know, especially with a therapist or whatever, and just and just know that with healing trauma, it's also about um, starting to be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and starting to re reconnect with yourself, because a lot of times when we have a lot of trauma, in some ways we not it's not that we're lying front. Lying fr- to ourselves, but we're disconnected from ourselves. Right. You know. You know how I talked about uh, rigid social norms. Uh huh. Well, if we go all the way down into the body, when somebody's really traumat- traumatized, their body is rigid. rigid.
1: Mm. Their art
0: that they will make is rigid. Like yeah. as an- I'm an art therapist, as you know. And when I work with someone who's working through their shame, uh, literally, their art will go from being like just coloring and coloring books and being really restrictive to like wanting to you know paint with watercolors and doing like flowy colorful art like you'll literally watch the artwork go go from super rigid and confined to loose wow so this is why i say you have to look at the culture all the way down to the body
1: yeah
2: can you briefly explain what art therapy is
0: Okay. Well, a lot of people sorry. Can think of, no, oh, oh no, I wasn't doing the deep breath out of it. I mean, it was just like, okay, here we go. Um, um, so, a lot of people when they think about art therapy, they assume that it, that uh, art therapist is like a walking dream dictionary. You know, like oh yeah, sun means powerful man, or you know, blah blah blah. But that's not how it works. Like you know, back when I worked at the hospital in groups, you know, um, that's when I did the most art therapy. Um, It's about asking the person what things mean to them and then starting to figure out how different aspects of the page relate to each other. I would literally say things like, I want you to imagine this flat page is actually three-dimensional. How would it look different? And then I'd ask questions like when you imagine that three-dimensional piece, is there anything moving and in what directions are they moving? I'd really have make them think about it as this moving three-dimensional thing, even though it started out being a two-dimensional piece of art. And I'd find out what, what that meant to them. Cause everybody is different. Like mm-hmm. a son, you know, like the color black may mean mystery to one person, evil to the next, you know? And, and then over time, I don't un- understand the meaning sometimes over years of doing art therapy with a particular person. But if you believe your dreams have meaning, then you would believe in art therapy.
2: I was going to say as a dream therapist, that's something that, or I actually did dream interpretation and taught classes on it for a long time. And it sounds very, very similar. Yes. That you're asking people to define like, like the way that I used to do it. You are pretending you're a person from Mars that wouldn't have a definition of any word at all. And you have to explain what each symbol in a dream means to you.
0: Right. And the thing that's lovely, and also you can do art therapy on dreams. Now, that's one of my favorite things in the world to do. Like, that's that just makes me giddy. But the thing that is really cool about dreams and art is that with the English language, it's so confining that when we say something, we're talking about one thing. Whereas in an art piece or a dream, that dream may have layers of meaning. Yeah. And that art piece may have layers of meaning.
1: Wow. I had some fucked up dreams last night. So now I'm like, what does it mean? But we'll do we'll do that another time. It could be a whole (laughs) episode. Like Billy Corrigan was there. The neighbor had socks on the porch. Like it was a whole thing. Anyway, (laughs)
0: so 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 wrapping back to secrecy and art therapy. um, One thing that's cool about art therapy is that what I'd see this over and over again secrets that were too hard to say in the group through words Mm -hmm. people would start out by creating art about it and then they talked to me about it metaphorically and I had seen enough art to know what they were telling me right uh and so I would process it in a a certain way like I would never assume I was right I would always use it as a working Mm hypothesis, and then and then have them you know either confirm or deny kind of (laughs) you know what I thought might be going on, you know? Um, but once they were able to do that, then um, a lot of times they start talking in groups about whatever the thing was.
1: Ooh, yeah, yeah.
0: So art becomes a gateway to opening up.
1: Huh, I love it. This has given me so much to chew on. Um, is there anything, you know, in closing that maybe we haven't either said about secrets that you want to say, or maybe just kind of like an ending, like, this is the kind of, you know, the, the thought about secrets I want to have everyone walk away from this conversation with, or a takeaway.
0: I think what, you know, when you're talking about harmful secrets, and when someone just has their secret, and they haven't shared it, and there's a lot of shame involved, a lot of times what comes with that is, Mm self-loathing and so once you start to share your secret and people are like sweetie you're not alone there's other people that have experienced this and this wasn't your fault you know this was something that happened to you that kind of thing
2: Mm -hmm.
0: then a person starts to move into a place of more and more self-love and the self-loathing starts to melt away and it goes to this African proverb when there is no enemy within the enemies enemies outside cannot
1: hurt you Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And I mean, it's so true. Look at Me Too, you know, the Me Too movement, because, you know, one person started talking and another person said Me Too and another person said Me Too. And we realized we're not alone, that, you know, it doesn't make us a bad person, like whatever happened to us, or we did whatever it is. and And I mean, that Me Too sentiment could go with anything. You know what I mean? It's just when people stand up and say, you're not alone. Oh, I've I've had a similar secret I've been keeping. Right. We all heal.
0: Yeah. Right. And it, it goes back to that Neil Bor's quote, where the second part is, the best weapon of democracy should be the weapon of openness. When we open in mass, we begin to break down, you know, dictatorships. We break down dominator culture. We break down misogyny, racism uh you know all of these things
1: oh i love it oh my god thank you so mm-hmm. now comes the time for same shameless self-promotion so kate i hear you have a new podcast <laughs> that, uh, that kind of you know we, the convers- we have
2: a new podcast
1: well i know I, i'm getting it <laughs> that is is kind of um, it's like i'm unveiling the secret ken kate i hear you have a new podcast a that well i'm unveiling it let me unveil it okay so kate <laughs> once again third time's a charm i hear you have a new podcast that dives into uh emotional parts of ourselves um and with an amazing co-host too uh can know, you know i can hear you- she
0: just got expo's sex expert sex educator of the year. Right?
1: So tell me more about that podcast (laughs) and your amazing co host Kate.
0: (laughs) You know, uh, you know, it's it's funny. It's called the Open Deeply podcast. And at at first, we just thought, okay, well, you know, uh, we want to do something where we tell life stories. And it just kind of organically morphed. Mm -hmm. So the Open Deeply podcast is a, um, a podcast where we ask guests to open up and dive deep with either their life story, a story in their life, from struggle to meaning mm-hmm. or from struggle to inspiration. um Not just for the purpose of titillation or anything like that, but for the purpose of helping the listener uh either feel, realize that they're not alone in some of their struggles, or f- feel a little bit more informed or a better person. Right. You know, um, and so far, we, uh, we've dropped five episodes. Mm-hmm. And that's been three biographies, my biography, yours, mm-hmm. and Siri Dahl. Right. Um, and they're all, each one is completely different. But so far we're getting excellent feedback where people are just like, Oh my God, that's such a wild ride, but I, I was fascinated. This is amazing. Like we're getting really positive feedback on the podcast, which is great. And people are understanding what we're doing and people are coming up to both of us and saying, Thank you for being so vulnerable. Um, you know, I've the next guest after Siri has said to me, Um, you know, I thought this was just going to be, you know, I had just written a book and I'd been vulnerable in my book. I thought this was just going to be cake. And then I listened to these three bios. And I was like, oh shit. Now I want to dive even deeper than I ever thought I would, you know? And so it's actually very exciting to watch what's already building even after just these five episodes. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I just, I, it's funny, because like you said, we didn't really, it's not that we didn't have a plan. It's that our original plan morphed into something completely different that we didn't conceptualize in the beginning. But I love the way, you know, we uh, take the very personal, emotional and life journeys of different people, And then use that, you know, go from like the micro lens to then panning back to the macro. Like, what are the the central themes? Uh, How does this relate to the systems that go on in our culture? How do these things affect all of us? Like, I'm totally geeking out on it. So what I'm trying to say, American fuckers, (laughs) if you listen to this and you're like, this is a really juicy conversation, Go fucking listen to Open Deeply podcast. You're gonna love it. So yeah. Yes,
0: please do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're both really just loving it, and 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 it just gets more and more powerful every time we do
1: an episode. Totally. Well, uh, Kate, thank you so much. Thank this you has so been much, Kate. an amazing conversation, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you in a few minutes because now we talk like every day, all the time. So. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs>
0: And thank you Sunny and Ken for having me on. I always I always love coming on your podcast.
1: Cool, cool. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron on Showtime. Then visit sunnymegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching or to book us to teach at your event or university or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag chicken, That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.